So some sermons are easier than others. Some you can just kind of sit back and listen. Maybe none of my sermons, but there are preachers you can just sit back and listen and they kind of work, you know. Um, but I'm warning you up front today, you know, this is like the tricycle that you were giving for Christmas, where the note says, some assembly required. And so about nine or 10, you start assembling and about six in the morning, you think, I think I can get an hour's rest. This is kind of that kind of sermon. This is obvious, if you see, not an easy sermon, as we're going to think about freedom. Uh, you know, when, when you look at freedom on the internet, there's no small amount of material to work with. Now, if you look at something like uh, uh, some bizarre theological concept that's really small, it can be hard to find something. Freedom, it's full. And so I begin to think about, as I look at freedom, I begin to think about music, I think about freedom. So remember Janis Joplin, those of you who are old enough, Freedom's just another, another word for nothing left to lose. It's not nothing if it's not free. Beyonce says, cut me loose, I need freedom. Pharrell said, your first name is free, your last name is dumb. We choose to believe in where we're from. Pitbull said, freedom, I do what I want to do. Those of you who are Pitbull fans, I want to work that in there. I know there's several of them in the audience today. So in today's lectionary text, Paul is talking about freedom. But we might find Paul's definition of freedom and who is identified as the free person somewhat surprising. You know, Paul is often misunderstood in his teaching and he's often accused of going outside the bounds that he's supposed to do of good religion. You know, uh, the Gentiles accused him at times of, uh, of keeping the law even though he said we were free from the law. And, and the Jews accused him sometimes of just being just licentious, you know, just really just out there and doing bizarre things and being very immoral. immoral. Here, in Gentile, here in Galatians, we see Paul making a vigorous, theological defense of his understanding of the law in Christ. So up till now, Galatians has been very theological, very well argued, coming into the story of Hagar and Sarah and building his, 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 his uh, case for why he's not that person who is on one side or the other in the extreme. This is, if you've read the book of Galatians, you know this is a very passionate Paul, Maybe even a very angry Paul speaking to the Galatians. It is interesting that it is the book of Galatians is the only epistle that Paul writes where he doesn't thank God for the people. He just skips that part and says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Right? And so, so Paul's a little passionate here. We'll say it that way instead of angry. Uh, he's been accused of both adhering to the law and of libertinism right here in the place of Galatia. He is trying now to be clear about law and Christ and what it means to be free, be free. You know, Paul often does his theological work like he does in Romans, kind of his highest theological work probably. And then he gets to a very practical applied portion. So in Romans chapter one, uh, chapter 12, verse one, now therefore submit your bodies, right? You know that piece. Well, here in Galatians, uh, all of a sudden here as he's had his theological argument, he's now moving to application. That's why this is some simply required in the sermon. You will have to apply this to yourself in your own life. You will have to decide where you stand in the freedom. I cannot measure it for you. I cannot tell you about it. I'll give you some hints this morning of how you might measure it. But this is applied theology that you will have to apply. Paul tells us here there are two challenges to freedom. Always two challenges. The first is law. And the law comes usually with tradition and fear. And in the piece that we didn't read today, verses 2 through 12, he tells us some of the challenges of that. 
law is like a yoke you have to carry, and it's not a well-fitting yoke. And it just bears on you. You always have that weight on you, trying to live up to it, trying to make it work. You know, it's like rules. And I'm, not, I'm a rule follower in a lot of ways, but I never like it. So he talks about this is a yoke of slavery. If you do this, you're just obligated to live up to the law. And he said, besides that, not only is it a burden, it's ineffective. Because Because if if you're going going to find your salvation through law, you have have to keep keep all of it. You You can't can't break any one rule. Now, I may be a rule follower, but actually I break a lot of rules. Almost every Sunday, Gail says these words to me. You know, if you keep driving like this and this fast on the way to church, I'm going to start driving my own car over here. And so I do break the rules occasionally. Sometimes I'm not effective at keeping the law. And... Paul then finally tells us the biggest part here. If you're working to be justified by law, you are alienated from Christ. The law in its very nature alienates us from Jesus Christ. So one thing that Paul's accused of is you're a a law keeper. And so he's trying to say that's a challenge to freedom that I won't permit. And then immediately he has to turn around in the verses that we did read today. And he said, you know, they said about Paul, he's just a libertine. He said, do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. Uh, uh, And and so he's going to indulge himself in freedom. He talks about that. Don't indulge yourself with freedom. That is really libertinism. That is, I'll do what I want, when I want, how I want. You know, pit bull. I could wrap that for you probably, but maybe not. That would be another day. If you want me to do that, just let me know. But this idea, I'll do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it. Paul says, that is not freedom. That's slavery to your own desires and your own passions. And they will capture you and they will hold you and they will keep you and you will not be able to free yourself from those. So libertinism creates dissension. He said, you're going to devour each other, be destroyed by each other. If we all did what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it, then I might drive 100 miles an hour across 270 in the work zone. I don't do that, by the way. But I might. I could do that because I'm in a hurry. I want to get to where I want to go. And I actually have had people pass me on 270 that way, and my life feels threatened. Because that person's doing what they want to do. Right? He says you will devour each other. Other human beings will be used just to satisfy your own passions and your own desires. Paul says that's not freedom. That's just another form of slavery. You will destroy each other. Paul accusers say, you create your own choices, Paul. You take whichever you want, and and you say one or the other depending on who you're reading and how you feel and and what you're doing. So, So we can see Paul as a legalist. Or we can solve Paul as a libertinist. But Paul says, wait, you're not hearing me. There is a third way. And that is the way of true freedom. And he says, here's what true freedom is. It is love and it is service. Paul says the way of Christian liberty removes all those. You you can have a, a Christian freedom without having law or libertinism. And still maintain moral responsibility. So being free, but being morally responsible. Paul says freedom is occasion to love. You have been made free to love one another. Says the entire law is fulfilled by keeping this one commandment. The entire law. All the the Hebrew text is fulfilled 
and love your neighbor as yourself. Now we know that we're taught that we say we love God. Paul is telling us we cannot love God, we do not love God unless we love our neighbor. This is the way of love. This is the way that Christ applies love and freedom to us. <coughs> Excuse me. Freedom comes with service. So the title of this morning's sermon is Submit Yourself to Freedom. Freedom makes demands on you. It doesn't say you get to do whatever you want, whatever it is your mind. It makes demands of you. The word that we get here where Paul says serve one another is the word that doulos, which is the word that Paul says, I am a slave to Christ. And so I am under obligation to serve. If we are free in Jesus Christ, we are under obligation to service, to caring for one another, to loving for one another. We are committed to the way of community, coming together and being community together. This is what Christ's freedom calls for. Now, this is a new kind of service and a new kind of community in which every person is free, but willingly performs service for the others. Whether it be the most menial task or the most important task for each other. Now, Brad and I did not collaborate this morning on our comments, but the church is looking for leadership. We're going to be soon asking you to join committees like we used to do before COVID, to be a part of one of the task force or one of the committees or one of the groups to do work and care for one another, to serve one another. This is what it is to be free in Christ. We serve one another. You have to decide if God's calling you to what to do. I don't want to, this is not meant to be guilt-inducing this morning. I, if I wanted to do that, I'd do it entirely different. Okay? <laughs> this is invitation. How can you use your freedom to be fully free and serve others? Now, Paul makes it clear we don't take advantage of each other's servanthood. When someone serves, we honor that. We understand that the service the server, according to the Bible, the servant is greater than the master quite often, right? The one who's the least of these is the greatest of all. And so we understand that, and so we don't take advantage of each other. We don't say things like, okay, you're free in Christ. You're servants. I need a $20 million jet. Let's cough it up, right? Don't we hear those kind of things all the time? Gee, you're supposed to be servant, so you serve me. This is not how this works. We do not take advantage of each other. We serve as equals in the sight of God because we are equals in the sight of God. All of us together, this is our community. This is who we are. Jesus told us this. This is how they'll know you're Christians. This is how they'll know you're a disciple of mine, that you love one another and that love implies service. It's interesting in the book of Corinthians and other places in the New Testament, you will find Paul talking about gifts. The gifts of the Spirit, right? And so we're to serve each other with our gifts. Why does Paul say we're given gifts? For the edification of the church, the building up of the church. My gift is not mine to use, to sit at home and say, oh, aren't I so gifted at something? Mine is always gifted for the sake of the other person. So as we look at our gifts, how do I use those? Christian freedom is the liberty to love God and to love people. That's when we know we're free. This way fulfills the law. 
more than trying to live by the law will ever do. And we're able to do this because the Spirit is with us. And the, Spirit's create, the Spirit creates in us a new nature, so we have the ability to love. Now, I'm sure you've been around some people who aren't lovable. I'm sure you can think of names right now. Don't. Well, go ahead. It's all right. Christian freedom says we're to love those people. We're to love everyone. And we're able to do that even though we find those people challenging because we have the Spirit with us in a new nature, teaching us how to love. Here's the key. Love inspires us. It does not command us. And so it is the Spirit of God with us, inspiring us, giving us those, those nudges that say, you should do this, you can do this. Touch that other person. Speak a kind word to the other person. Serve the other person. It is the love of God in Christ that frees us and inspires us to service. And we're able to do that, Paul says, because we walk by the Spirit. Now, I find that hard. I don't know, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit or walk with the Spirit? I don't know about you, but I've never seen the Spirit walking by me. When I was young once, I was praying really hard, and I prayed, God, I would just like to see, just, just put a face in this light. I'm going to open my eyes, and I'm going to see it, and then I thought, God, never mind. I don't think I want to see a face that there it might scare me to death, right? And so we don't see those things around us. We don't see the Spirit walking with us. So how do we know? How do we know that we're walking by the Spirit? How do we know that what we're doing is what God has empowered? Verse 16 is the promise. It says, if you walk by the Spirit, if you submit yourself to the kind of things that Jesus Christ taught us, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is not in our own power that we have to do this. We know, we know that, that we are weak at times. Paul said, my flesh is weak. I don't do what I want to do. All those kind of things he talks about in Romans. He says, but when we walk with the Spirit, it is a promise that we will not go astray. This involves the whole course of our life. At every moment, thinking about, is this what God would have me to do? It involves conduct toward God and our fellows. I find that one of the things we've lost the art of in Christian life is devotion life. Bible reading, prayer, thinking about God, having conversations about God and what that means. We, we, we have formalized our church life, our religious life, and yet we forget to bring it into ourselves so often. It is though we let someone do it for us. I'm guilty of that. That's how I know about it. I will all of a sudden say, wait, it's been a few days since I've opened the Bible. So I'm wondering why I'm not sure what direction I'm headed, Right? See, this involves our entire life, our whole course of lives. This is what we're to do, to walk by the Spirit. And Paul says, if we do that, we will love each other. We will serve each other. And so what Paul means by love is we will have esteem for the other. We appreciate that they're a creation of God. And we'll also have esteem for ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. We will understand we are a creation of God. Therefore, we are gifted in two things. We will find within ourselves a desire to help. How many times have you seen something and said, I should do something. I can make a difference. Someone ought to do something. How can I make a difference? We have a desire to help, do we not? And then also we have a desire for love in return. You should not underestimate your own needs to be esteemed, to be loved. 
for your ability to fully be the servant that Christ calls us to do. All of this is available to us simply because we experience God's love in Jesus Christ. To be led by the Spirit is to not be under the law, because the law simply condemns and punishes us. If you find yourself condemning yourself, oh, I'm a horrible person, how could I do that? How could I have forgot to read my Bible for three whole days? How could I have not prayed for two whole days? How could I have done this? How could I have said this? How could I have made that hand signal to that person when they passed me doing 100 miles an hour on the road that I shouldn't have done that? That wasn't a kind thing for me to do, right? Those kind of things, that is law, that is condemnation. That is punishment. We should find ourselves saying, how can I be who I am? How can I live fully into myself? Paul then tells us how to know if our freedom is real, if it's the kind of freedom that the Spirit produces here. Because how do you know? How do you evaluate yourself? He tells us. He said, the acts are the works of the flesh, which is contrary to the Spirit, uh, are those things like lying and, and those things he lists there, the fruits of the flesh or the, the outcomes of the flesh. And Paul is consistent and saying, you can't do that. You cannot be morally irresponsible and be led by the, by the Spirit. And so all those things that he lists there, the works of the flesh, if we find dissension, if we find hatred, if we find cruelty, if we find meanness, if we find harsh words all the time in our lives, we should think maybe we're not living by the Spirit of God. Right? Doesn't mean sometimes we don't have those experiences, but we're not practicing those. They're not how we live each and every day. Paul says, if you want to know if you're living by the Spirit, look for those fruits of the Spirit. You know, we always talk about the fruits of the Spirit. In studying for the sermon, I found out it's just fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. And so we're living by the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those kind of things. We have to see happening in our life. Not just one of them, like the gifts of the Spirit. You know, Paul said, some are apostles, some are evangelists, some are teachers, right? So we each get different gifts and we use them. This is something that comes in a package. It is a package, those kind of things. And so when we find ourselves with love and joy and peace and patience in our life, that's the Spirit at work in us. That's the result of being free. We are called to freedom, Paul says. You have to submit yourself to your freedom because freedom calls you to service. What a terrible concept. Paul, I would much rather you have said, freedom calls you to get to do whatever you want. You can rap with Pitbull if you want. Right? You can do those things. I'll do what I want to do, when I want to do, how I want to do it. That's what we want freedom to be. But Paul tells us in Christ, freedom is that service. It is that morally responsible service where we walk by the Spirit. Paul says in another place in Corinthians, the love of Christ constrains us. I don't do those things that are the work of the flesh because they const I'm constrained by the love of Christ. The love of Christ has so changed me. I want to be Christ-like and Christ-like is serving. Paul says in one way, we're free not to sin. We're free to just live in service and love. The Spirit inspires us. It enables us via the love of Christ. We are free to walk by the Spirit. And when we do that, good things are the result in our lives and in the community. Now you have to decide what service means for you, what walking by the Spirit means for you. Some assembly required, I warned you at the beginning. You have to decide that. I do not know that for you. I know how God deals with me. I do know in community we're most likely to find that. 
serving one another in this place and letting that extend out to how we serve others in this entire community, in this entire neighborhood. That's what freedom is. Freedom is service. Amen.